Thank you so much, everybody, for your giving and for your faithfulness in, um, in all the things that God is bringing before us to do in these days. And um, I just want to clarify, not clarify, say an additional thing about what Kelly was saying about Shelby. That sounds kind of a strange name, but that's the accounting group that watches over our church finances, and they help us. They put together our uh, year-end reports and different things of that nature. So it's not some obtuse group somewhere else that is wanting something. We, we've used them for years, so they can be trusted. Anyway, um, lots of things uh, we want to talk about here before we actually get into the Word, which today is going to be out of Psalm 23. There's no teaching sheet for you for that teaching, but there is something else that is available to you uh, that you can uh, access online, and we'll talk about that here in just a couple of minutes. Um, today is Parat Sunday, it's Breakthrough Sunday, and um, when we gather in our place of prayer tonight, or whenever you're going to pray in that regard in your home, um, let's particularly lift up the various outposts of the saints. Uh, later this month, we're going to have a concerted effort over a two-week period to every day pray for a different pastor internationally or, or um, minister internationally that's aligned with the Saints Network. And as, as I prepared that list, I was... It's not that I was shocked because of the people on there, because we deal with them and are blessed by them on a regular basis. But the magnitude of how many people uh, who have embraced the message of the saints, who have churches, who have ministries, and I'm not talking about all the Saints Network people. I'm just talking about those that are active in official points of ministry in, in the natural. It's, it's rather astounding to me. And so we're going to be praying for them later this month, and I'll make sure it's very clear. I have a list of uh, when we're going to pray for each individual each day, and I'll be presenting that before the network for anyone who wants to participate in our church. But today, particularly on this Parat Sunday, I, um, I want us to particularly be in prayer for um, whoever the Lord lays on your heart, but um, primarily, we want to pray for Brazil today. Um, early this morning, I met with Yawali, and, and it's a great blessing that he was willing to get up so early to, um, to present a message for the Brazilian church in regard to this pandemic. And Brazil has been being hit very hard by this. And I'm not taking any political stance. I, I bless their president, Bolsonaro. They've taken a stance much like Sweden did, where they, um, they are embracing the, the, um, the herd immunity kind of a thing. But it's been hitting very hard. And it particularly seems like the epicenter of how this has been ravaging them has been in Manaus, where our network gathering was supposed to be in July, and I say supposed to be because I 
recognize that our, our dear friends, American Airlines, have canceled all the flights going in there. So um, we, uh, we have not yet talked to Cello about this, but we're not going to be able to be there in July because we just are not able to go. But we do need to pray because um, that nation and South America are ordained by God to be a mighty army of saints in this season, in the years to come. And uh, when we were down there in October in Brazil, in, in many different places, um, God showed some very strategic things in the spirit about the various ways that he is moving in the, in the outposts of the angelic and a lot of other factors. And so I know that the enemy is not at all pleased by what it is that God is wanting to do. And also, you know, I know every nation is being touched by this virus in one way or another. Uh, maybe not all of them, uh, but I know that New Zealand is opening up. They've been preserved in some ways. But this is not to talk geopolitically or, or to go across the map to talk about how every nation's being impacted, but everybody is being touched by it in some way. And, um, you know, Italy was one of the hardest hits. And over the past year, you know, we've, we were in touch with some very dear saints in Europe about uh, there being a, um, a good amount of property that was being acquired for the purpose of training the saints and for the purpose of um, doing ministry uh, for those who are of Italian descent or for the vast numbers that were coming in from Africa um, as displaced individuals. And um, I, I have no doubt that that is going to happen. It's continuing to happen. It's been in the works. But uh, that Italy was hit so hard <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Um, so we simply need to be in prayer and be in agreement that, uh, and that those that God has called are, are being strengthened and encouraged and that the work of intercession is being done. And we need to pray that the way God is using this time to awaken the hearts of people and to shake those that were either languishing in the world or who had kind of a, uh, a Christianity that was not really functioning in the way that God wanted them to function as individuals. You know, you can become very complacent in Christian circles. And, you know, I, I, I believe God is using this to shake that. And so... Um, we need to pray for particularly Brazil and South America. And I know uh, our United States is being shaken. France is being shaken. Lots of other places. Switzerland, I just start naming them. But we need to be sensitive to pray tonight for the breakthrough that God has in mind. And so particularly for Brazil, I, Yowali and I presented this morning uh, a word of encouragement and a declaration concerning them needing to apply the blood of Jesus to their home, to their life and ministry, to their church, that this pestilence will pass over them. And um, 
I, I pray that God will encourage the people in this way. Um, sometime soon, within the next couple of weeks, we hope to have a worship offering from Cello and Vanessa from Cabo Fria, and that's going to be a blessing. Next Sunday night, I'll be uh, preaching for him. Um, it was to be this week, but then there was some discussion as to the reliability of the Wi-Fi, and um, we didn't want to tell everybody this message is going to be coming, and then and tell me if this has ever happened. And the Wi-Fi gets screwed up, and then people are all sitting there, and there's no message. So we're, we're arranging for a way to do this beforehand, and then they'll just have it there, and they can minister it next Sunday night. But um, I, I do believe that God is, everything God has said, He's going to do. And um, right now, we need to really be before the throne of God, praying for our brothers and sisters that God has commissioned to labor alongside of us. And so, already one trip into Brazil was canceled. The France network gathering was postponed. Uh, now the, the work in uh, Manaus has been postponed. Postponed but not denied. Postponed in us actively being there. But in the spirit, God is moving. And so, you know, with if the case in France, we're going to be we're going to be praying for all of those leaders and the people that would have been in attendance in a couple of weeks. We're going to be doing that the actual week of the gathering, uh, the, when the gathering was scheduled. And God's going to be directing us to some other things we need to do. I'm sure we'll be doing the same thing in July. Now, some of you might ask, well, what about West Virginia and Ohio in June? I'm ready for it. We're praying. We've been praying. I don't know what's going to happen. Flights have not been canceled yet. We'll see. See, that's the beauty of this. I mean, we just need to wait for the stirring in the mulberry trees. You know, we just need to wait for the Lord to say, let's go. And we're not going to try to force anything. But then again, I recognize how important and vital that ministry in June is for this country. And um, we'll see. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Uh, we're, we're prepared and we're ready, but we're waiting. And it seems to me that that's the way God typically moves in the Scripture. You know, the birth of the church was that way. It wasn't just speaking in tongues. It wasn't just dreams and visions and those measures of the Spirit coming upon people. It was, you go, you pray as a supplication partner with God. You, you wait by establishing what God wants to do, and the suddenly is coming. But that's up to God when it's going to be. And so um, that's kind of, it's, it's in our DNA as a church, and we need to be that way. And so for, for 20 years or so, we've been traveling, a little less than 20 years, but close. And, um, and you know, I, I passed 2 million miles flying in, on one airline just a, a few months ago. And so we've, we're no stranger to traveling, but we are continuing to reach out every day. We're praying every day. We're doing everything we can to improvise and to adapt and to become wise in what God wants us to begin to establish in further points of ministry. 
That's the one thing about, uh, um, about being creative in the Lord. Um, and necessity is the mother of invention. And the need that God presents to us is usually the way that he entails how he wants to meet that need. And then we learn. And so we're trying our very best to continue to expand. We're busy every day. Uh, teaching and reaching out in some way or another, but today is a day of prayer for these outposts. So let's particularly pray for our brothers and sisters in Brazil. And if you if you need to have any further information, just look online. You know, write Brazil COVID, write Manaus, M-A-N-A-U-S, which is in the heart of the Amazon, um, COVID, and read about what's going on there. We're praying our people are fine and well. And um, we're thanking God for the covering of the blood upon us, but that which we have, we give them. And so, um, however, God used that this morning, and it's out there now for them. Um, they're taking a lot of the teachings that we've been bringing on those Portuguese sites and are studying it, and then they're just teaching it to the people. Like last week, uh, we spoke about... Um, uh, Alleluia, and we spoke about Kairos moments and the timetable of the Lord, and Pastor Luciano was studying about Halal, and um, he's, I think, going to teach on that tonight for his people. I'm just really blessed by the way God's continuing to move, so, you know, we're not sitting in our, on our houses twiddling our thumbs thinking, oh God, woe is us, when's my relief check coming? You know, we're much busier now than we were before then. I'm talking even seminar time. Much busier now than we were before preparation for seminar. And that's good because um, God, is, God is moving. So on this Parat Sunday, let's invest in prayer. Also for us in our house here at the Father's Church on this day, we have asked uh, our congregation to be praying for President Trump and um, all of the team that's surrounding him, and to pray for Governor Abbott here in Texas, and to pray for um, Judge Jenkins and the Dallas County folks. Um, it's, uh, it's good to pray for those who have rule over you. That's what the scripture says. Whether you like them or not, you pray and you offer up the the, the measures of supplication as a partner before God, and you hear from him and prosuke, and you declare that over them. You bless them, that the Spirit of God would overshadow them and guide them and for the decisions that are being made that are affecting all of us. So let's, um, let's be faithful to do that. <coughs> now, again, for an in-house thing, Every church across the nation is doing what they feel they need to do. And every one of us are different. And so there's no blanket band-aid for everybody to do what I'm going to ask my congregation to do. But uh, as I prayed about this uh, phase one reopening, I felt that the Lord was just continuing to tell me that it's not about when we're all going to be able to gather together again. It's about us being prepared in this season for what God's doing. And it's about us 
um, investing ourselves into this Kairos moment as the Olagos people that the enemy fears. But it's not about what the enemy thinks. It's about what God is asking us to be. So as the pastor of this church, I'm more concerned about the saints here being fully immersed in what God is doing to prepare you than I am about whether we can all be in here again in, in one place in this house. I know we could today if we wanted to, but I haven't felt the leading for that. Uh, we may um, look sometime into mid-May to start resuming services. May, underline that. I'm going to have to be led of the Spirit by that. But what we are going to do is we are going to say to the congregation here that if you'd like to come and pray in the sanctuary or in Peace Chapel or in the youth room, um, you can come and pray. And we do ask that when you come that you observe all of the, all of the regulations that are out there, you know, social distancing, safe spacing, um, if you see somebody you haven't seen, don't give them a bear hug and, you know, just be wise. Let's follow the guidelines that are out there. I know you've been praying at home. You've been establishing your altar there. That needs to continue. And, you know, um, last night Katie had a good idea that when you come here to pray, that you bring um, a prayer cloth from home or something that you use at home and you lay it on the ground and you lay your face on that so that you're not you're not picking up anybody's cooties and even though we're all under the blood that's a good phrase Luke you need to look up cootie because that's what we used to say when we were little kids you know we thought if we got around girls that we'd get cooties you know I don't know what that means it's probably from the French but anyway oh yes I know what that is um, but anyway bring that and um, you lay on it, you pray. You don't need to wear your mask when you pray. Um, but you need to bring it in here anyway in case some ne'er-do-well. In fact, I would suggest this. If you're coming into the church to pray, wear your mask. Because there are a lot of 411ers around here that could be calling the police. And they're not going to, I don't want to go down there. There's just a lot of people that watch this house. And you come in, you can take it off and pray. Now, one thing that this is not, do not come and hang around up here, okay? If you're coming to pray, pray. Um, if you're tired of the people you're living with in your house and you just can't stand to be around them, this is not an invitation for you to come and hang out up here till all hours of the night. I don't want anybody up here late at night. I don't want anybody up here because this is supposed to be ministry time. They're not understanding that we're a house of prayer. You don't have anything else to do anyway except for being worked overtime. Um, come up here and pray during the day. But don't go and hang out in Ruby's office. Don't expect to meet with me. You come to pray. You know, I don't know why anybody would need to meet with me. I'm like a concierge anyway. Everybody in my church just texts me or writes me all the time. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm silly with it. So it's not like the old days. So... Um, Anyway, so, but we're not going to, for, for the time being, have services, but we will be having them online like we are. And you have a plethora of things to watch. 
you know, we're going to be instituting something else. There's a prayer. We're going to keep praying here for our members of our congregation. I keep sending those words every day. And I thank you for praying for our congregation. We're going to continue that. But the handout that you have online uh, speaks about something that's a prayer initiative, actually stemming off of what I preached on last, I think it was last Wednesday. And that is what's in your valley. And um, for the next two weeks, um, I'm going to be presenting a brief exhortation on Facebook during the week. And it's, you've got the days there. I don't know what time it'll be up there. <laughs> I don't know. Because this is not the only thing we're doing. But we're going to be praying according to these different valley influences. And on, like on, on today, we're going to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. There won't be a Facebook thing up there. You, you listen to what I'm saying today and then you pray. If you need anything else to pray about today, if all the other things I've told you to pray about, President Trump, Brazil, Parats, this, well, call Kelly. She'll give you something else to pray about. Just, just playing. But um, like on Tuesday, May 5th, we'll talk about the Valley of Giants and Hinnom and Misha. And it'll be an exhortation. It's not going to be a big teaching. But you pray about that that day and the next day. Um, and, you know, so the reason it's paced this way is on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you already have uh, either a worship point or a, t uh, a word of encouragement or exhortation from other people throughout the network. And that's been a blessing. So every day you've got something to do, a word of exhortation. On Mondays, there's the French teaching, message of the week. Um, you can listen to that if you want to. I'm talking and then Luke's interpreting. Tuesday is uh, Saints Radio. Wednesday is Wednesday Night Live. You've, you've got Sunday. You've got, you've, there's a lot of stuff all week long. So um, please avail yourself of that. And it's, this is only going to be on Facebook too, what I'm talking about with the Valley. And uh, we're not going to put it through the system. We're not going to. You know, so I think most of you have it on Facebook. So just look for it. It'll be, it'll be there. And it's just an exhortation about the, the two-week measure of prayer of emerging through this season and um, entering into the promise that God has. And there's something specific in the Word about this. And we need to, to know it because, again, the valley is... Is a point of fruitfulness, but it's also a point of warfare. And, you know, the, the Selah principle is that God gives you a word. He gives you a promise. And then you, you from that mountain point, you walk through the valley to the next point of fulfillment. And that's what Selah really is. It's a, it's a worship. It's a suspended worship term. It's an intercessory term. It's not just, oh, let's just kick back and think about that. Or it's not pause. You shouldn't be pausing. You should be, you should be pursuing the Lord. And um, so this valley is, is something that I believe we're in in regard to the promises of God and in regard to his timetable. And God speaks a lot about it. So the next two weeks, we're going to be devoting ourselves as, as a measure of prayer toward being ready scripturally and intercessorily for this.
So um, that's what this is about. So today, Psalm 23, we're going to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. That's going to be your word for the day. But then Tuesday, among all the other things that are out there, be looking for an exhortation. And let's pray according to this, this list. Okay? Make sense? Well, if you didn't get it, you can go back and listen to it again. The beauty of it is you, when you listen to it again, you can do it at double speed. So um, anyway, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, let's, um, let's transition now into what the word of the Lord is going to say to us on this day. And Heavenly Father, I ask you that as we look now at a well, well-regarded passage, Psalm 23, one of the most famous in all of the Scripture, I pray that you'll help us to learn and to be encouraged and to be inspired to go forward. And for this, Father, we thank you. I speak a blessing over all of the saints that are joining with us today, I pray that your spirit, who has been with them, would especially overwhelm them at this moment. I ask you, Father, that for my congregation here in Dallas and for those who call this their congregational home, um, who live in other parts of the nation or world, I bless them. I bless all of this Father's Church family, and I ask you that if there's anybody who needs a touch in their body, I pray that you would release your fire into them now and let them be well. I rebuke any measure of infirmity or sickness, and I command it to, to leave them now. And I speak health and life into you for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. And I continue, Father, to declare over my household and over this church and over the households of the saints the covering of the blood of Jesus in this season of positioning where you're about to launch us forward into great measures of, of, uh, of fulfillment of promise. I, I thank you that we're under covering, cover of the blood. And this noise and pestilence, this plague, and whatever else may be out there is passing over. And will not touch us because we are your children and we're under more than the blood of, a, of an unblemished lamb on earth. We are under the blood of the slain lamb of God. And I thank you for this, Father. So I proclaim that blessing over my congregation here and the saints that are gathered throughout so many places in the world. We glorify you and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week is a very important anniversary for my house because uh, 40 years ago um, on Mother's Day, um, <laughs> Debbie and I made the long drive down from Springfield, Missouri. And we sat right over in the section that is to my left on a Sunday morning, and that began the 40-year sojourn <laughs> that's led us to this point in this house. And um, I believe there's significance to the 40 
year period in Scripture. That's obvious. But I do know that this transition point of the Father is um, unlike anything I would have ever imagined at that time. And um, I believe that God has positioned all of us for a tremendous uh, partnership with him in the time that's ahead. And so um, I know that God has guided all of your steps and he's brought you to this place. Uh, unlikely as it might have seemed to you earlier in your life, it, it is nevertheless what God has called us to be. And I, I was thinking this morning as I was here before Yowali and I did the Brazilian word um, of my frame of mind when I came here. Um, at that point, was finishing up a master's degree. And I, I didn't understand why, you know, after I graduated from college with a bachelor's degree, and I certainly knew everything, why God didn't allow us to go into some other place. I interviewed, I remember a, a really weird interview in Columbus, Ohio, just right off the campus of Ohio State University, and um, I wasn't really comfortable with going there to begin with, and I was kind of relieved when the pastor said they were going to go in another direction. But that caused me to go and get further education at the seminary there in Springfield. And so when, when I came here, it was f with the full intention of serving the Lord, learning in ministry, and st being living in Texas was the furthest thing from my mind, especially in 1980, the year of the 100-plus degree barbecue I mean I remember uh, working really hard with the youth group I was, was a youth pastor at that time and uh, remember I, my first youth meeting here it was up in the the hallway outside the the choir room and I had the grand total of two kids that showed up for my first youth meeting and that was a great blessing so I knew we had a lot of work to do they were good young men but it was just really odd. And so I remember working every day, being outside doing stuff with these kids and trying to get more kids to come and be involved. And I remember going out to, to play in a softball tournament and the temperature that day with my newly formed team was 118. And I thought, the baseball, the softball is going to, if, if I hit it too hard, it's just going to burst into flames, you know? And I thought, where are we? And, I, and one, of my, one of my great memories of that time was having an argument with another youth pastor about why I, God forbid, let the young ladies on that team wear shorts when all of this guy's um, girls were wearing culottes, which were holy as unto the Lord, kind of like Scottish kilts for women, you know. And I, I, I was just, it was a heated argument for more reasons than one. And I, I, the umpire was there, and I said, look, there's nothing in the rule book that says my kids on a, on a temperature out in the blazing sun, 118 degrees, 
can't wear shorts. I said, which umpire, which would you rather see? One of my girls slide into second base wearing shorts or one of his girls slide into second base wearing those culottes? Which would you, well, I, maybe I should rephrase that. He said, maybe you should rephrase that. And I laughed. What would you rather see? I laughed. And the, the guy that I was arguing with, his face just got redder than it was. And I thought, where have you put me, God? This is crazy. In Pennsylvania, where I lived, it was probably 78 degrees right then. Nice, cool breezes. We had just been out there playing and, and had gone to the lake afterwards. But um, I didn't, we didn't intend to be here very long. Um, just long enough to get, for me, to get ordained and to get experience and to serve the Lord because God opened this door. But 40 years later... Lots of different things have happened, and God's been faithful in all of them. And the reason I'm saying that is God is faithful now. You know, whatever our plans are, whatever our ideas are, even the most holy ones, you know, the saintly ones, the structure that we put in place for all of these tremendous ministry gatherings and all of the all of the planning, all of the things that other people in the network invested their, their time and their, their money and buying tickets and getting ready. Um, it seems like God had other ideas. And you say, well, did, did you not hear him? Well, sometimes why don't we read the scripture for other things and just promise us money and healing and all those other things. So many times God would tell his people, okay, I want you to go get ready and go, go and then wait. And then whatever happens then is totally different than what they had imagined. Totally different. That's just, God loves, you know, God loves the journey. He doesn't care a whole lot about your plans. He cares about your obedience. You know, Saul was really bent out of shape with Samuel because he waited the seven days for Samuel to show up. Samuel didn't come. On the eighth day he came, and the famous obedience is better than sacrifice was said. So God's more interested in our obedience than what we've laid before him in our own strength. The Apostle Paul got ready to go to the east. We've said, we've taught on this a lot. And the man of Macedonia appears to him in the night and says, come over into Macedonia and help us. Total change in direction, which absolutely changed the course of civilization and Western civilization. That's what God does. God does that kind of thing. And it's more about us and our obedience than it is in, in any other way and there's a lot of other examples of that how that God puts something he tells the people get ready he tells them to go and 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 be prepared and then he does something that they weren't expecting you know we've talked about the Passover talked about Moses and the blood upon the doorposts and the lintels and the noisome pestilence and the plague and the firstborn being killed. But Israel comes out and they've got provision. And the Spirit of the Lord leads Moses with these people to the banks of a sea and tells them to wait. And they waited days. For what? The army of Pharaoh to catch up with them. Now that doesn't make any sense at all. And we've joked about Edgar G. Robinson. Where's your God now, Moses? You know, but that was God that did it. It wasn't Moses screwing up. It was God that did it. So I think if there's one thing that the Lord is strongly wanting to develop in us, it's our willingness to walk with him fully prepared, fully armed, fully capable, 
as intercessors who hear from God and who know God. And God is saying, I want you to follow me and obey me. Because whatever I do in a suddenly is going to be miraculous. And we've said this before. Every miracle that you find in the Bible occurs at a time when it looks like God's people are up the creek without a paddle and they're just about to die. That's what a miracle is. It's nice to sing about miracles and talk about them as long as we don't have to be in a position to need one. And so that's, that's the way God moves. That's the way the dunamis moves. Even, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to go through these, but I just, they're just good. The, the story of Lazarus in the tomb. And, uh, you know, his disciples are saying, hey, you know, our friend Lazarus, he's sick. He's almost dying. Let's get up there. Oh, no, no, we're not going to go. And, you know, the Lord waited. He waited till he died, and he waited for three days after he was dead. So he was fully stinky. Yay, he stinketh. I, I, I wouldn't have been cheering about it. Yay, he stinketh. Um, but the Lord was not in any hurry, and he's not in any hurry now. So we need to, in this year of wisdom, really embrace him and know him and recognize that God does his most perfect work when it seems like everything is haphazard and everything is, is lacking um, measures of sane logic, um, but yet God's people are holding on and God comes through. That's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing. That's the way God moves. That's why he moves in suddenlies. So many things are suddenly. Pentecost was suddenly. The rapture, whenever that or however that's going to happen, is a suddenly. And God is all about suddenlies. But, you know, that's why we watch. Why do you watch if you know what's going to happen? Why do you watch and pray if you've got it all lined out? And like, well, I don't need to watch. I know when it's going to happen. We've already scheduled it. Why, why do you have to watch? Why does Habakkuk talk about write the vision, make, a plan, make it plain? I will stand upon my watch. Because watching is the, the main facet of the of partnering with the eyes of God. Watching is something that God requires of us. And um, again, the reason you watch is because you don't know what hour your Lord comes. Think about the ten virgins who had, were, were watching and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Five of them were foolish or morals who said, I don't want to go along with this pathway of communing with God, praying in the Spirit, speaking mysteries, mysterion. That's what moros comes from. I've had it with that. Let's have some action. Let's have it now. A little more action, a little less talk. And that hymn Elvis wrote when he was part of the Assembly of God Church in Memphis. It was in one of the books there. A little less talk, a little more action. And so, you know, they, they, instead of waiting, they got tired. My Lord delays his coming. And when the sound started to come that the Lord was coming, they said, hey, let me borrow your oil. It doesn't work that way. In this season, you've got to be waiting on God and be ready. And what did the wise ones say? Wise ones. Wise in this year of wisdom. They said, why don't you go buy it from your providers? You know, if you're, if you're not wanting to wait on God, but you're just running with the crowd of all the 
the convenient providers, you're not growing a whole lot, you know? You know, I, I, I'd rather know how to fish than just be waiting for a fish handout. And um, I, I know that God is preparing us, but he's partnering with us in this season. And this is training for us. This is improvising. This is hearing from God. This is extending into your house the, the altar of the Lord. This is being those saints where you have a touch point with the glory of God. And I pray that that continues, even though we're, we're allowing our congregation, and we're welcoming our congregation to come and pray. Um, you still need to be praying in your house. You still need to have that established. Some of you have already been working that over the years. But for others, it's a revelation. And uh, I, know that, I know that God is in this. So we come to this Psalm 23, and we recognize that David was um, no stranger to the, um, to the principle of hearing from God and then waiting and going through the Selah. He popularized it in, in the book of Psalms. And the only two places you're going to find that is Psalms and Habakkuk, uh, the Selah. But it's because David understood as a musician, but also as a intercessor, that God's promise comes, and then there's a whole lot of waiting. How long did David wait for God to finally transition the kingdom of Saul into what the kingdom of David would be? It wasn't just waiting. It was, it was hearing from God and escaping with your very life so as to not touch the anointed. So David understood about what it meant to hear from God, to meditate on Him, to pray it through, to commune with God, to learn and to sing and to halal, and then to know the fulfillment, whether the enemy was coming against him or whether, in, uh, you know, like in, in Psalm 27, um, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, come against me to eat up my flesh, I know that they stumble and fall. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. You know, David understood that. This was David. But yet, all of that was about, hey, look, there's always some kind of opposition that's coming. And that's a good thing because it lets me know God uh, better than I did, and it also gives me more opportunity to gain victories. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I, uh, you know, after he talked about um, my grace being sufficient, the, the, the messenger of Satan buffeting him, and he called to the Lord three times, and God said, my grace is surrounding you, and um, I, I, and then Paul goes into, I've then learned to glory in mine inherit, in my iniquities, and in my, in my infirmities, because in my infirmities, not my iniquities, in my infirmities, because uh, it, it gives me the opportunity to, to recognize the power of God in a greater way and the glory of God. You know, if you're, if you're learning anything, it's to trust the agape of God and not allow fear to dictate your life. If you're learning anything, it's to, in these changing times, it seems like 
with every passing day, there's a new directive or there's some new suggestion or some new uh, rule or regulation or, you know, we went from, you know, them uh, all the big, big guys medically at the beginning of this thing saying, wearing masks is ridiculous. It doesn't really do any good. And even there's a lot of medical people now that say, well, you know, it's really not accomplishing that much to now everybody has to wear them. So, you know, you're, you're just... You're just vacillating back and forth in the world of hearing this and hearing that. The only surety you have is in God. So rest in Him and love Him and know Him. And recognize that in a point where you feel your infirmities or those places where you are, you are not functioning in the way you know God wants function to occur. It, it may be because he's training you. It may be because he's telling you to wait. It may be because it seems like it's blocked. There's a lot of reasons why an infirmity or a blocking would come. But when that happens, I know that God's glory and his power, his strength is going to be made perfect in that weakness. And so we need to recognize that. And not act like some strange thing has come upon us. That's what Peter wrote. You know, you're, you're being afflicted by certain things. Why do you act like some strange thing has come upon you? Uh, you know, you, you need to just, you've not yet resisted unto the giving of blood. So just trust the Lord and love him and know him. That's what it means when it says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yahweh, the plan of God. He is my Ra'ah. He is the one that is guiding me through the Ra' toward the Tob. He is the one who's doing that. It's the plan of God and the partnership with God in that, in that plan that is leading you through this. That's how God is leading you. He's not leading you through. It doesn't say Elohim is my shepherd, even though I recognize God is the same. He's one. There's not 15 different gods running around. It's not like some Marvel character where God can split into about 15 different pieces and go running around on his own. I, I think that's what some people think. You know, there's some heresy that's saying that right now. You know, that God and Elohim and Adonai and Shaddai, they're all different beings. No, they're not. They're different manifestations of the same God. Any more than I am 10 different people because I'm pastor and I'm uh, ministering in the apostolic and I'm ministering as a teacher and I'm ministering as a dad and I'm ministering as a husband and I'm ministering as papa and I'm, minist I, I'm not running around 15 different people. I'm one person. And if I can do that, how much more can we know that our God is? But this depiction is, it doesn't say Elohim is my shepherd because you're not going to be guided just by the warm, cozy, wonderful feelings as great as they are in the secret place of thunder in the center of his heart. At some point, you've got to get out of there, and you've got to move on behalf of the plan that God's been burdening with you in that place. And so the plan of God is leading you through as Ra'ah. And you are moving in a way that is navigating through the, 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 the parts that are twisted and iniquitous. God knows there are a number of them out there toward what God's fulfillment of the tobe is. That's what he says here. And uh, I shall not want. You're going to be provided for if you stay with the plan. 
And as you stay with God, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will provide for all of your needs. That's what he promises, and that's what he does. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, that's kind of a, the way that God prepares us. It's kind of like the Peretz. You know, you're, you're there with God, and he's not going to send you out into the battlefield until he feels that you have been fully indoctrinated with the commune that's him. Because remember, Elohim makes the way for the plan of God. It's what Jacob saw there in Bethel, where he had the, the place of Elohim, where he met Elohim, the house of Elohim. And the latter uh, had the angels of Elohim going up and down. And then at the top of it, it was Yahweh looking down. Read it for yourself. I'm not making this up. It's good reading. It's there. And so your place of commune and your altar is God preparing you and communing with you. But at some point, he's going to say, okay, here comes the test. You may not feel you're up to it, but, and, and that's a good thing because um, usually when God's doing a great, the greatest times that I rely on the anointing is when I don't feel I'm up to it. And uh, that's the place God wants you to be because you're hungry for him. But God, he, he leads you. He says the objective of this is the Yahweh is my shepherd. He's going to lead me through the Ra'ah. And that's important. But then he talks about he's going to meet with you in the green pastures. He's leading you by still waters. He's restoring, correcting your thoughts and your emotions and the way you perceive things. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's giving you righteous vision because the root is a sedek. The root of righteousness is vision. When Abram first believed God, saw the vision and said, all right, I believe what you said. God said, that's righteousness. It's all about vision and, and uh, that God gives vision to his people. And so he's leading me in paths of righteous vision according to what his name is wanting to accomplish. And then it says this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I will feel no Ra because you're with me. Why, why? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Think about that. What we said about the shepherd, the Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd and he's with me. So when I'm walking through the Ra, the one that is expert in leading through it, the Ra'ah, is with me. The Lord, the plan of God. You know, we have the plan of God. We know what God has said. We know what he's told us. We needed to trust that. It's going to be better than what we even imagined in, in our wildest dreams. But God is with us. There's a lot of raw out there. But the plan of God, that walking with Elohim and Yahweh, is leading us through it. So when we go into the valley, that place from the point of preparation and commune into the point that has giants, into the point that has um, points of challenge and work, into the, into the place in that valley which can be really uh, challenging. It can be a wilderness. It can be really difficult. But yet God has ordained it to be a fruited plain. God has ordained it 
for to be a point of victory. David began his public ministry by encountering an, an intimidating giant in the valley. Um, when we're walking through that, and you're going to have to walk through a valley of Selah, we are not afraid because the one who guides through it is with us. That's terrific. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, the, the presence of our enemies has to be indicative of what we feared as the shadow in the valley. You know, some people have translated, and I was looking at this yesterday, that shadow as being what is, after you've dug into ground and you're going to bury somebody, that shadow there is, is what a lot of people think this is. It's, it's kind of like fear. It's kind of like, well, what the, what's the enemy going to do to you? You know, you, you could be gone. I've heard, oh, I've heard all these stories of people on the Internet who were okay one day and in this amount of time they were kaputa. Don't give place to fear. You know, where, where the shadow of death is, there's also God preparing the table in the presence of those very enemies. And that table is being prepared for us. You know, Satan is not going to stop what God has said he's doing in these nations. Satan is not going to stop the, uh, the raising up of the army of the, of the Lord and, and his saints. He, he can't do it. And so we need to be, these are the best times to be in prayer. These are the best times to be communing with God. These are the best times. It's gonna, and I said this before, and it's worth repeating. Um, one of the wealthiest men in America, Warren Buffett, said that his rule of investment is that if everybody's going to invest, I don't invest. And if people are afraid to invest, I invest. And, you know, when you, when you recognize the moment, and instead of running around town trying to find toilet paper, you actually pray, you're going to be doing well. Now, I don't know what your solution will be if you don't have toilet paper, but yet you're going to be doing well in the Lord. Uh, so much for the right hand of fellowship. But anyway, it kind of reminds me of our first trip into India, but I won't talk about that. <laughs> Good stories there. But the, there's a table being prepared in the presence of those enemies who, who would like to convey their presence by forecasting fear. We cannot be led by fear. We need to cast fear out. And follow the agape of, of God. And you say, well, okay, so aren't you afraid? Aren't you demonstrating fear, pastor, because you're not letting your congregation come for service right now? Um, aren't you giving place to fear? I mean, if you really believed in the covering of the blood of Jesus, wouldn't that be there? No. Like I said, I'm not afraid for our congregation. I'm just trying to follow what the Lord's saying. And the most important thing he's doing right now is to put our people into a position of intercession and to be trained in a greater degree in this season as saints. I mean, 
you think about it, in the world, you know, how many corporations and organizations are having meetings right now to try to get their people trained in what needs to be happening in this new season? Uh, you know, you walk down to any of the stores and you walk in there and you see the plastic plexiglass and you see all these things on the floor telling you which way to go up and down what aisle and, you know, you've got people out front wiping down the, the, the carts at the grocery store. How'd that happen? They just show up one day or do you think the manager said, okay, this is what we got to do and you got to do it right because there's liability issues and we want to be able to... They had meetings. You know, a lot of people working at home. I don't know how many times I've walked through the room and heard uh, one of the computers, there are meetings where big corporations and educational groups are trying to train the people in my house for what they need to do right now. If that happens in the world, how much more do you think the father's saying, okay, this has come, da da, it's a suddenly. Now I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. The objective is to not wait till, oh boy, I can't wait till we can come back to church. Look, this doesn't look a whole lot different for me than it usually does on Sunday. Some of you are lamenting that you can't come to church, don't seem to care to be here more than once a month. I've gone into preaching now. So the most important thing is for you to be seeking the Lord, for you to be knowing Him and embracing Him. And, and that's what God's more interested in now than any other thing. Yeah, it's been a challenge for me to have to um, rationalize how we're going to accomplish the various things that were already set for international theaters of operation and how we reach out to people. You know, those dear folks down in Brazil, many of them, I mean, we are somewhat of their pastor. How do you reach out to them where thousands of people, they don't have the health care system we have here in the U.S. or in, or in Europe. They don't have that. And they're, they've run out of coffins in Manaus. They've run out of them. Look at the pictures. So I'm more concerned in how to get those people um, taught by what God is doing and give a word to them. Our congregation needs to be ready because when God opens the door and people are hungry and there is going to be a great move of the Spirit that's coming, we've got to be ready. And it's not business as usual. So I'm more concerned about that. I, I'm not afraid. I, if I was afraid, I wouldn't be inviting people to come here to pray. And the only reason I'm saying the business about you bringing your prayer cloth is not be for you, but for all those goofy relatives you have that are putting fear in you and are ready to sue us at any moment. That's just the backstory right there. So I'm not afraid. I'm, the only fear I have is the fear of God that we are doing what he's asking us to do as intercessors to partner with him in this changing moment. This is a time, you know who goes to the head of the line of prayer? Who goes to the head of the line of prayer are those saints that are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, who are praying the mysteries of God and who are sowing into the Lord, looking forward to what he's going to do. The rest of the folks are in the back who are praying fearful prayers, or, or complaining to God about why this is happening or why this isn't happening. And so, you know, you, you just need to really have the Spirit adjust your thinking and adjust your spirit because God 
is, that's what he's doing right now. There's a table, they're in the time where the shadow of death is forecasting fear. If you listen real close, you can hear the hammer of the Lord preparing the table in the middle of that valley and in the presence of the enemy. If they can keep you from going into the valley and being what God wants, remembering what he's promised, then there won't be a table. But you pass them right by, you follow the one who's leading you, the plan of God, Yahweh, and there is a table of blessing in that valley. And God is going to celebrate with you and the great outpouring of his spirit that is coming. It's soon. Now, I, um, I love what David says, you have anointed my head with oil. That speaks about, anytime you're talking about a head being anointed, that's promotion. That's you being set aside in Barak fashion for, for a measure of promotion and increased, uh, uh, increased assignments and authority. Your cup is running over. And that means that, you know, the cup represents what's in your cup, Pastor Larry taught on recently on, uh, on the voices. But, you know, the point is that um, the cup represents your assignment. The cup represents what God gives to you as a son, and you covenant with him. And there's, there's so much assignment that it's running over, that, that you, you've been given, you were faithful in, in a few, and you've been made ruler over many. You took the talent God gave, and now you've got ten cities. That's what God said. That's what Jesus said. And even though you're, some of you modernists have ripped apart most of the Bible, I don't think you've done that with Jesus' stuff yet. Maybe that's coming. But my cup runs over. You go through the process with God, you're going to have an overcoming. You're going to know victory in the valley. And God is going to be uh, giving you a, a promotion for Him. And He's going to be giving you increased assignment. And, and as you go, goodness... Tobe and mercy are following you. The purpose of God, God led you in Ra, through Ra, the Ra led you, and what is resulting is Tobe. That's what goodness is. The purpose of God and mercy. You're training people who are there so that they can commune with God and know Him and develop what God has given. It's going to follow you all the days of your life. Hopefully, in the wake of wherever you go, whatever you do, that's what's there. It's not just people saying, oh, they were good people. Oh, good people. Salt of the earth. What kind folks. They love the Lord. And let it be said of you that the Tobe purpose of God and the teaching on how to know God and hear from Him in His mercy, let that follow you. That, let that be your resume. Let that be what people say. You know, those saints came through here and we were acquainted with the, with the Tobe purpose of God. And they taught us how to meet with God and hear from Him and follow Him at mercy. You know, people teach about the mercy seat that was in the Holy of Holies. And they think that Moses went in there or Aaron went in there and they bellyached. Oh God, give me mercy, mercy in the, in the earthly term. No, they weren't in there bellyaching. They weren't asking God to... To, to, to do them some favor, said was listening to God. Where do we take this ark? When do we take it? What do we do? 
That's what mercy is. It's commune with God. So if when we come through a place, we can say, we spoke about knowing God. We taught you how to embrace the word and walk it through to victory. We taught you and patterned for you how to seek God so that you can gain dominion in the place that God has established you. We taught you those things. So that when we left, you weren't saying, oh, I can't do it. Oh, you better come back. You're saying, yes, Tob is here. And I've been trained to seek God and to know him and to let the mercy of God be mine. That's, that's what should follow you. And where are you going to dwell? In the house of the plan of God forever. The house of the Lord. For eternity we're going to be following this same principle because God's never going to run out of things that he wants to do. So that's what we're doing. Yes, we're serving him here. These are crucial times. But again, what we're doing here is simply restoring what God's plan for eternity was from the very foundation of the world. We're going to be doing these same types of things forever. So you might as well get started now. If you're sitting, well, you can't sit in the back view waiting for the rapture today. Of course, some of you might because the churches may have been open. But if you're just sitting around in church waiting for the trumpet to blow and you're pointing your finger telling all these people out there, they are all going to hell. If, if that's your view of the end times, God help you. Let's be partnering with God, okay? Let's be knowing him. So the valley. The Lord is with us. The plan of God is with us. And what better time than a Parat Sunday, the breakthrough, Parat stand in the gap, Parat's breakthrough, to, to be praying and believing God for the breakthrough that he has promised for these nations. The Lord is our shepherd. And yes, there are some shadows out there. But we aren't afraid. Why? Because we're walking with the one who gets us through that and has prepared a table in the presence of those enemies. And the valley is a point of challenge, but the reason it's a challenge is because it's going to be a dynamic blessing to God. That valley we're going to talk about is going to be exalted. It's going to be raised up. It's going to be something that, that fulfills the plan of God, and there won't be a gap. Selah will disappear when it's completed. The objective of Selah is not just to get from one point to another, but to see the fruitfulness of God in the middle. And that's what's coming. And that's what's here. And we need to think of that. So as you pray today and tomorrow in this valley progression, put away fear. Recommit yourself to the plan of Yahweh, to the plan of God. Commit yourself to the fact that God's in control of all of this. He's not, as we've said a million times, maybe not quite a million, but close to it. He's not sitting up on the throne, scratching his head, saying, I didn't see this coming. Man, all those wasted airfare tickets, they're not wasted. You know, I really was looking forward to those people being in Nice in a couple of weeks. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, my, my dance card is open. Um, God's in control. He saw this, and he's more interested in how you're reacting to it. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't want for anything. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You're so good to us. We love you. I speak that 
the fullness of what you've ordained in the people and in the places is not only going to be realized, but it's going to be grander and more spectacular than anything we have hoped or thought. And um, I ask that you'll encourage these folks to keep seeking you. And as we pray today and we bring these nations and our extended network saints family before you, I pray, Father, that you would ignite our vision and ignite our capacity to move with you in a greater dimension of intercession than we've ever known. This is a rare moment. This is a glorious moment to know you and to partner with you. Thank you for this, Father. And I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say one more thing before we end. I'm not going to pray again before we end. A couple of years ago, I had a very uh, a prolific dream. And I was in this sanctuary, and I was standing back at the doors leading into the foyer, just pretty much astride from where the women's room is. <clears throat> and I was facing this platform, and there wasn't anybody in this place. And... I recognized that I was, I was unclothed, as it were. I felt vulnerable. And I looked up on the platform and I saw the name Elohim written in letters that were just suspended in the air. And I stood there for what seemed like a very long time. And I wondered, well, Lord, what does this mean? This is just odd. And since that time, God led us through a lot of different powerful things, a lot of different understandings of his word. He's been training us about grace. He's been training about his name. He's been training us in so many ways scripturally. And I recognize that the objective of the Lord is for us to be before the heart of God without anything separating us. That's what Adam and Eve were. You know, they covered themselves with the fig leaves of the world. And God said, who, who made an issue of the fact that you were bare before me? There's no shame in being bare before the Lord. All of your weapons, all of your, all of your schemes, all of your plans, godly as though they may have been, all of the people that you've been used to praying around, those are blessings. But at the heart of it all, naked you came into this world and naked you will go. Job said that. And God wants us in that point of vulnerability to know him and to cherish him and to trust him. So all the things that God has prepared us for since that time, all of the plans, all of the teachings, which, which have been glorious, strong meat, wonderful things, have no meaning if we aren't willing to trust him and, and trust him alone. And so that dream, that purpose for me and for this house is being played out among us. And so I, for one, intend to cherish that and embrace it. And yes, there's breakthrough coming. Yes, there's a visitation of the Spirit, end-time visitation unlike anything we've ever known. That's on the doorstep. Let's not worry too much about the daily briefings and, you know, whether we can do this, whether we can do that, when can I get back and sit in the pew you know, let's, let's be ready for the Lord.
because he's with you right now. So have a wonderful day of prayer. Don't forget to pray uh, in Parat's prayer tonight. If you prayed yesterday and have a word from the first Saturday, submit that. A lot of the words are already in. Powerful times. Uh, I read a number of them this morning. I'm blessed by that. God is speaking to you. And um, tomorrow, we'll see on Facebook. Very delightful thing, I'm sure. And, and then Tuesday, we begin the exhortation, the every other day exhortation about valley prayer. But for today and tomorrow, let's cherish that the Lord is our shepherd. And this current valley with all of its shadows is one with a table of the Lord in it. And we are not afraid. God is with us. Thanks for joining us. God bless you and we'll be in touch soon. Goodbye.